Hi, I'm Vivian. And I'm Jason. And this is Burger of the Week. Each week, we will discuss an episode of the Fox animated series, Bob's Burgers, and we'll create a themed burger of the week based on the episode. This week, we will begin with the pilot episode, Human Flesh, and we'll also discuss the unaired pilot. The link to the unaired pilot will be in the show notes if you've never watched it and you're curious to see the changes. Because they're pretty big animation-wise. Like, they're really different. The animation is very different. It's very, a little uh, unsettling at times. Yeah, it doesn't feel at all like the same show. I, I wonder if it would have been as popular if it had kept that same animation. Anyway, if you're not familiar with Bob's Burgers, it follows the Belcher family, Bob, Linda, and their children, Tina, Jean, and Louise, and their adventures running a restaurant in a seaside town, which is, the location is never actually disclosed. (laughs) We're not sure, but I think someone found out it was actually like New Jersey or something like that. Some place near the ocean. Yeah, some place near the ocean. It could be the Jersey Shore. Why not? (laughs) I'm thinking more Maine. Yeah, okay, okay. They have a lobster fest yes, eventually. You know, Maine is a lobster place, right? <laughs> they have. <laughs> they have lobster. <laughs> Seafood. Right. So Human Flesh aired on January 9th, 2011, and was written by the creator, uh, Lauren Bouchard, and executive producer Jim Dotrieve, and directed by Alan Chun. So Jason, you and I are familiar with Lauren Bouchard's previous work as the co-creator of Home Movies. Absolutely. Yeah, you're a bigger fan of that show than I am. But Love it, home movies. It is really funny. He also wrote, produced, and edited for uh, a show called Dr. Cat's Professional Therapist, which ran for six seasons. I've never seen it. I know that it has squiggle vision, which kind of turns me off from watching the show. It's it's difficult. At all. Because the first episode of, or the first season of home movies also used squiggle vision. And uh, it does, it's very distracting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would watch. really bug me. Like, it might give me kind of a headache. But I've heard that it's such a funny show. So I don't know, listener, if you've watched the show and you love it and you think I absolutely need to watch it right now, let me know. I think it's There's very a lot conversational, of, yes, too, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of yeah. sitting and talking. Like, West Wing is walking and talking and <laughs> Dr. Katz is sitting and talking. Yeah. He also created a show called Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, which had an 11-episode run on Adult Swim. I've never heard of it before I looked at, like, I looked him up. Uh, But I did look at the episode list, and the pilot was called He's Not the Messiah, He's a DJ. So (laughs) that kind of makes me want to watch it. Like, that sounds good. That sounds funny. That's a great title for an episode. (laughs) I don't know. It's... Probably kind of dark, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, so Lauren Bouchard wrote three episodes in the first season of Bob's Burgers, and then he goes on to write a couple more over the series, but he doesn't seem to be, like, consistently writing at all. Now, while it's true he's not writing every episode, uh, he's very involved in the music. Um, Oh, yeah, big time. He's huge in the music. You may not realize it, but almost every episode has a little bit of music in it, specifically related to what's going on. Needless to say, Lauren Bouchard is still very involved in every episode of the show. Oh, absolutely. He's, you know, 100% in. Jim Dotrieve, the other credited writer for this episode, was an executive producer and writer for King of the Hill. 
or as I like to call it, Hank of the Hill or King of the Hanks. King of the Hanks. (laughs) Hank of the Hanks. (laughs) And yes, the character of Bill Dotree, Hank's kind of sad friend. (laughs) He's just misunderstood. Uh, Yeah, was named after him. He co-wrote the first two episodes of Bob's Burgers, but he hasn't been credited as a writer since. Oh, wow. Yeah, he maybe not a big fan of writing, maybe just kind of likes being... You know, in the in-charge kind of situation. Oh my god. He's still... (laughs) (laughs) He's still the executive producer. Oh, okay. (laughs) And uh, I searched for Alan Chun's, the director's other credits, but my search came up empty. So, you never know. Maybe he just decided to do it one time for fun. For funsies. Hey, it was a good episode. (laughs) Yeah, no, he did a good job. Yep. Uh, So one of the things that the two of us love about Bob's Burgers is the chemistry between the voice actors. So let's talk about them briefly. H. John Benjamin voices Bob Belcher, and he's worked with the creator, Lauren Bouchard, several times before on shows like Home Movies, where he did the voice of Coach McGurk. Coach McGurk the jerk. (laughs) Yep. And he was also a voice on Lucy, Daughter of the Devil. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who he was. I think he was the voice of the devil, though. I'm pretty sure he was the dad. You know, so maybe he just likes playing dads. <laughs> and, or father figures. <laughs> yeah, father figures, but like a little bit weird father figures. Yeah, I'd say Coach McGurk is a very weird father figure. <laughs> oh, big time. He's well known for voicing Sterling Archer on FX's really great show, hilarious show, Archer. Which incidentally did have a crossover episode with Bob's Burgers. Yes, it did. It had a great one. It that did. was hilarious. We're going to have to do that one. Oh, we'll do it We're eventually. We're going to have to just crossover to archer for just like one episode. just for an episode just for fun john roberts voices linda belcher he's a comedian and he's been a guest star on archer before and on gravity falls and he's done some really funny youtube videos which we just <laughs> watched prior to this it's basically linda but like slightly more offensive linda Dan Mintz voices tina belcher he's a comedian and a writer and he's currently working on son of zorn It seems like most of his credits are writing credits on Wikipedia, so I'm guessing that's something that he really enjoys, and he, you know, kind of does that more often. He really likes to stand up, too. Yeah. It's just, it's basically, if you've never watched it, it's basically just Tina. (laughs) Just really (laughs) awkward stand-up. Eugene Merman voices Gene Belcher, and he's done a lot of stand-up comedy. It seems like that's kind of his bag. I mean, he's hilarious as Gene, so I could see him being fantastic as a stand-up. I've never actually seen any of his stand-up comedy, though. Yeah, me neither. I'll have to check it out. That's on the list of things to do. Yeah, I wonder if he's just like Dan Mintz and is basically just Gene the entire time. You know what? I'd like to see Gene do stand-up comedy. But Gene works because he's a small child. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So a grown man might be a little weird. But then again... (laughs) You know, Dan Mintz is a grown man and he's still kind of awkward. Yeah, you know, you don't grow out of awkwardness necessarily. No, not when you're that awkward. No. And lastly, Kristen Schaal voices Louise Belcher. She has a lot of credits. She has a ridiculous amount of credits. A ton of credits. What I know her best from was uh, she played Mel on the Flight of the Concord show. And I remember watching her because she was such an awkward like fangirl of the duo and it was hilarious and she's currently working on the last man on earth Mm -hmm. i've watched about half this first season and i 
do love her character. She is fantastic. Oh, she's she's great. I love how she pretty much has such a unique voice that she doesn't really change it for anything that she's in. No, no. Louise's voice is just Kristen Shaw's regular voice. Yeah. Which it seems like pretty much that's the cast except for John Roberts. Yeah, that's true. He's the only one I think who has to stretch, you know, and do do a, a different voice there. But that's, again, that's a voice that John Roberts has been doing yes. for such a long time. that Clearly very comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. And John Benjamin, of course, doesn't change his voice for the main cast. He does play a few side characters, and you can kind of tell who it is, but it's still pretty similar to uh, <laughs> just John Benjamin. Oh, yeah. You can tell when he kind of lowers his voice or or pitches it up a little bit to play, like, one of the teachers in the school at Wagstaff or, uh, you know, like a small child or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in the case of home movies, he pinches his nose and talks when he plays Jason. Oh, right. I always forget that he plays Jason. <laughs> yeah. That little pig-nosed kid. Yeah. Aww, little Jason. <laughs> <laughs> little Jason pig-nosed. That's good. <laughs> you just brought up all these painful memories of my childhood. Oh, God. <laughs> Your nose is fine. All right. So let's get to the episode in question here, Human Flesh. In this episode, Bob attempts to rally his family to work extra hard for their grand re-re-reopening to make it a successful weekend for their business. Linda is upset that Bob forgot their anniversary, and their business is put under investigation after Louise spreads rumors that their burgers are made with human remains from the crematorium next door. Linda must charm the health inspector, her ex-fiancé, into closing the investigation. Oh, that Louise. Always She's always up, up to, to no, no good. <laughs> yeah, up to no good. All right. So every week I'd like to point out what the store next door was in the credits and what the extermination van was. So the store next door this week was P-F-E-T-A. Pfeta. I don't know. <laughs> it's a clear rip on PETA uh, because there's a sign in the store window that says meat is murder which is interesting because we're not going to have an animal rights group in this not show. For another couple episodes, at least. Yeah, not until episode three, actually. Yep. So I guess they're planting those those roots there, you know, right now. Or maybe they're kind of saying that, you know, animal cruelty is bad, so maybe it's okay to use human flesh instead. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> they're endorsing cannibalism. Right, right. Clearly. I mean, it's better than eating, you know, cute and cuddly animals. Oh. Humans can be cute and cuddly, Jason. That's true. You're perf. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the extermination van is rats all, folks. And I'm pretty sure it stays that one for most of the first season. I don't think they actually change it too oh, often. Oh, really? Okay. I'll have to pay attention to that. Rats all, folks. Rats all. And the burger of the day. Uh, there's two of them, actually, there in this episode. Bob comes up with new baconings. And which he loves it. Just, yeah, I don't know why he thinks it's so funny. <laughs> because Bob <laughs> loves all of his creations. He thinks his jokes are amazing. That's true. It's a very simple burger. Like, we'll start to see a lot more interesting burgers from Bob. They get pretty complex. Yeah, because this one just comes with bacon. <laughs> yeah, and that's then, just a bacon burger. Yeah, it's just a bacon nice burger. Nice try, Bob. Louise comes up with the child molester. <laughs> Which is just a regular cheeseburger. But it comes it looks with like, candy. But it comes with candy. She sticks a lollipop in the top of the burger and I like puts put a couple a candies candy, yeah. on the side. Yeah. So we'll just get into our discussion of the 
unaired pilot and the aired pilot. We'll sort of talk about like the differences that we noticed while watching and some of the changes that they've decided to make. Yeah, creative changes, changes in cast. Changes, changes in, in cast, yes. Yeah, Not well, voice cast, but No. Uh, but um, cast. <laughs> also, it's good to note that the unaired pilot is significantly shorter than what you did see on television. It was approximately 13 minutes instead of the 23 or so for the pilot. So there's some differences there. Yeah, the ending makes a big a big difference in my mind when you're watching the unaired pilot and you get a very different feel of the show mm-hmm. because it doesn't end on such a like happy note. And yeah. I think part of that is just because it wasn't as long For sure. as the aired pilot. Not as complex. Like they kind of fleshed out a bit more of the story in the first episode with the with the pilot. They added a few elements and they just everything is very simple in the unaired pilot, which makes sense because it's kind of like a proof of concept that mm-hmm. they sent to the, the network. Just kind of like, hey, this is our show. This is what we kind of want it to be like. This is the family. This is the style. And thankfully... They didn't stick with the animation style. Oh my gosh. It's so different from the belchers to the backgrounds to the buildings. Like the lines are not as neatly drawn or like maybe the outlines are just not as thick. And obviously it's rough, but Mm -hmm. it's still, it doesn't really reflect. I don't know. It gives off a very different feel. Yes, it does. And the belcher family... And just the characters in general look much more unattractive. They're, they're kind of, they're kind of gross. Like they, I think they're they kind of kind of gross looking. A little and they grimy. Have, like and... weird phallic shaped oh, noses. Their noses that, are so long. And they hang down over their over their mouths, mouths I which know. is really bizarre. Because when you're watching them, I'm not sure if you see their teeth. I don't think you see their teeth in the unaired pilot. But if when I'm watching their mouths, all I see is their nose. Yeah, it's like just it's hanging out in front of them, like some sort of deflated balloon you yeah. know like when you you get the balloons from the clown oh the yeah, weird yeah, yeah. thin shape and, all... and it's just deflated it's yeah. like that thing hanging out in front yeah. of their mouth it's very awkward and that's awkward not looking. what you want to watch when you're watching a cartoon you no. don't want to be focusing on a nose and i also noticed that there's no jimmy pestos across the yeah, street. yeah i saw that so yeah. there's no competition yet maybe they hadn't fleshed out that part of the rivalry Yeah, except it's in the aired pilot. It is. You can see him looking out the window at the beginning, and that's what he's... We are having our grand re-re-reopening. It's very important. We need to... It's Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend, right. it is. And uh, he needed to beat Jimmy Pestos. He needed to make more money than him. Yep. It's interesting, like, the the idea that they might have never had someone like Jimmy Pesto, because I think he adds such a great element to the show, and there's so many good episodes... Of their rivalry. <laughs> yeah. And also with just Tina, you know, having this huge crush on Jimmy Jr. And the show would have been very different, very I think, different. without um, that competitor, like Bob's And it really helps flesh nemesis. out. Well, it helps flesh out the, the city as well, or the town. Mm-hmm. Um, having so many characters and having somebody so important right across the street really brings a lot of the stories to help stay centered around the restaurant. Because you don't really need to leave the restaurant if you're... Some of your stories are happening right next door. So it's kind of helps keeping everything together. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed in the unaired pilot that the buildings are really tall and thin. Like they're already tall and fairly thin. Like Mm -hmm. Bob's Burgers, the storefront and their apartment is quite tall, quite thin. But the one in 
the unaired pilots, all of the buildings are like that. And it kind of gives them an appearance of storefronts in San Francisco, San Francisco or right. homes in San Francisco. Okay. So it kind of gives it a different feel. And I think mm. if they had kept with that kind of theme of very tall, thin buildings, then people would have started guessing, oh, is it San Francisco? Is that where they live? It just felt more specific. Okay. It didn't feel uh, less homey or anything. I mean, I watched Full House <laughs> and that was San Francisco, right? Yeah. And big, tall, thin house. It just felt really specifically San Francisco to me. Okay. You know, I'm saying that as a person who has never visited San Francisco, but that's sure. what I associate with that city. Tall buildings squished together. So that's pretty much the big changes as far as animation goes that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, of course, the animation's just not as smooth as well. But right. that's, of course, budget, right? it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Home Movies and Bob's Burgers were both created using Flash, uh, Macromedia Flash, or as it is now today, Adobe Flash. The first season of Bob's was using Flash. It's interesting to know that just software you can get off the shelf anybody that that software that everyone was making games on new grounds <laughs> and you know all those dinky little flash games can create a show like bob's burgers wow. or home movies or or whatnot so it's kind of neat wow flash really? yeah they okay. just use flash yeah that's it's pretty so interesting. weird <laughs> yeah okay going back to the character bob is he's a lot greasier looking to me and they yes. did they did mention that in the unaired pilot they talk about how he's kind of got greasy hair and whatever but it's like he's not wearing a shirt the entire episode oh no he's wearing a little he's wearing like, like a little wife beater yeah, yeah that's so underneath. unfortunate and then he's got the he's got the apron over it but it kind of gives him this creepy like butcher vibe yeah I, not almost a big like, fan yeah no it no. just it's sort of like okay if you're gonna have a hairy guy like that you know <laughs> cover yourself up bud you know yeah <laughs> So I'm glad that I'm they, glad they the, threw a t-shirt. Yeah, on Yeah, it's good that they threw a t-shirt on him. You know, we just don't need to see that chest hair all over the place. I noticed that Jean and Louise sound a little bit different. They do. Their voices don't seem either as they're not as say, animated. Yeah, they're not as animated. They're not lively. And they don't seem as like as high pitched and lively. To me, yeah. they sound almost like not slurring together, but their voices kind of run together. Not as smoothly as I don't know that I notice, obviously, even in the next episode or continuing on almost immediately. To me, I notice it more with Louise than I do with Jean. I'm not sure whether they just weren't comfortable with the character that they were going to be portraying yet. I'm not sure what the reason is there. It could have been that maybe they're doing kind of voice acting uh, for the first time or one of the first times and they just they just need to get their feet wet you know mm-hmm. so they're just kind of jumping into it and they still have a little time to work with that character and figure out what kind of voice they're gonna have what kind of attitude that they're gonna have sure and bob sounds great yeah linda sounds great yeah linda sounds fine hugo sounds yeah. fine yeah <laughs> yes. ron sounds fine i mean ron is very ron lynch who plays ron in the pilot episode is very comfortable with voice acting because he was in home movies as well it didn't take them very long to get used to or to get comfortable with their voices and the voice acting, if that's what the problem was. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, like we said, almost immediately in the next episode, you can tell there's a very big difference. There's just slightly more monotone because Gene has a very obvious cadence to his voice. Like he just speaks in a specific way that I've gotten so used to over the course yeah. of the series 
that looking back Going at the back, pilot episode, he sounds a little bit more monotone. He doesn't tend to have like the big kind of outbursts that we're mm-hmm. used to having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Louise just sounds a little bit more muted, a little bit quieter. She's not quite the firecracker that we're used to these yeah, days. Yeah, she's she's sort of like a a quiet schemer in this first episode. A little bit less of a. Um, but she's still there. You can still see her because the writing is still on point. So. Mm-hmm. On that note, I noticed that in the unaired pilot, and a little bit less so in the aired pilot, but Linda didn't have a ton of interaction with her children in the first episode, so she kind of comes off as a bit of a nagging wife. Okay. Which is sort of a the tr- a trope I don't really care for on TV of like the let's pigeonhole the mom into like yeah. the bad guy almost yeah and like the long suffering husband who has to deal with this wife who just nags him about stuff and all she's the time. stuck in this relationship that married to this guy who doesn't make any money but she's trapped and yeah she just resents everybody and who's not very romantic which I think they really managed to fix in the in the pilot, aired pilot. absolutely yeah. for sure. There's still less interaction with certain members of her family. Like she doesn't have a big interaction with Jean, but Mm -hmm. in the aired pilot, she has a bit more time with Louise and a bit more time with Tina. She does have more time with Tina. It's a little gross, but she does have better interaction. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of gross. Which isn't there in the unaired pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Well, the unaired pilot I noticed... And also the aired pilot, because it is quite different from what the show becomes. But the comedy, like the humor, is just a little bit more adult. Yeah. And almost a little bit more offensive. Like there's a a moment where in the unaired pilot where Louise is talking about how her parents are grinding the meat downstairs. And she says, they're really grinding the meat. And like she makes this little circle on her one hand and then she's like poking through the circle to penetrate it so clearly making like a sex you know yeah gesture and it's a lot more obscene than the gesture that they end up going with yeah they end up going with her just like doing a little thrusting motion which is still like okay why is louise (laughs) saying that but it's a bit more on point mm -hmm. than doing the little crude I think it might have been harder to get past the censors. They might have said something about you need to change that gesture because it's too crude. Maybe. Um, I I also think it might have been them trying to compete with the style of shows that are on the same night. Sunday night, Family Guy and The Simpsons. And The Simpsons has been getting a bit more out there. The same with Family Guy, of course, because they're both kind of... They can be crude, but Family Guy obviously more so. So... They might have thought that they needed to make it a bit more shocking than what they ended up doing just to fit in with that crowd. Yeah, which goes with the original concept of the show when they pitched it. They were planning on making the Belchers a cannibal family. Right. Right. So in the first episode, they're accused of being cannibals, but they were actually going to have them be that in the original <laughs> would have conception, changed things up quite a lot until the studio told Lauren Bouchard that he didn't need to add that in that he already had something good there and that that just wasn't the kind of cross path that, that line. he needed yeah. to go which, which I think is a, a very good choice because that show would not have lasted <laughs> yeah it's it's just nice to have a very basic family simple dealing with family issues and not have anything obscene like it's a normal, 
you know, blue collar family, but they're also cannibals. Whoa, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad because it really brings them back down to earth. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're just a blue collar family trying to make ends meet, you know, trying to <laughs> live meet, their American uh, dream, I suppose. Yeah. Well, the biggest change in the unaired pilot is obviously the Daniel. change of, yeah, from Daniel to how we know this character now is Tina. Mm-hmm. So originally the Belchers were going to have two sons. It was voiced by the same actor, Dan Mintz, but... And the voice was identical. The voice was completely identical. And there was a couple little things that they obviously had to change. Like there was a joke where Gene said, kill the pig. And Daniel's like, why me? And he goes, well, because you have glasses and your balls balls are are weird. weird. (laughs) You can't say that to Tina. No, uh, that's another kind of a bit obscene humor that they threw in there. Like, yeah, you have weird balls. (laughs) And I mean, it goes off of the, I mean, my crotch is itchy. That was the whole issue with Tina slash Daniel. Which is still a story for a story, I say, with quote marks. Or air quotes. Yeah. For Tina that I'm not a big fan no, of. No, me neither. I think it's pretty stupid. It's kind of crude. And it's kind of gross. And it's really, it doesn't it's, add anything to her no. character. I mean, it gives you the Linda moment with her. Like, come on, show show me, you know, show <laughs> me. Show, show me then, your weird itchy crotch. Yeah. And yes, then, please, child. Show me your genitals <laughs> And then, of course, public. Louise and Jean all lean in. They're like, yeah, let's see. Uh, <laughs> no, please don't look at your sister's crotch. That's yeah. weird. And there's another joke about autism that they kept in the aired pilot where (laughs) Louise says, you're the worst kind of autistic. And Tina seems to actually believe that she's she's autistic. Yeah, I'm autistic. No, no, you're not. No, she's not. And then they throw in the Rain Man joke, like dropping the toothpicks. Oh, is that from Rain Man? That's from Rain Man. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because Dustin Hoffman is that at the diner and the, the lady drops like a whole big thing of toothpicks and he's able he's to like count all of them 200 and, or he's like 87 or something just immediately and they end up counting them to verify this number no they don't verify it but well he we could just have just know. been saying a number then <laughs> they could have dropped sure. some they're and then there's sure. like 200 and he says 87 and everyone's like <laughs> shit he totally knows what he's talking about <laughs> and of course they do that joke in bob's burgers and there's three there's three toothpicks. Yeah, there's and three toothpicks. And then Tina still, he, she says 100, and Bob is just... No, there's three. So, you, <laughs> well, you're not just, a fan of the autistic joke, which is... No, I just don't really think it's funny, I guess. I don't really see how it would be funny. Maybe that's just me not understanding it, but... I think it's I just, just going off of how awkward and bizarre Tina is, and also how her siblings pick on her. Because that's something that brother and sisters are... I feel like they're likely to do like, hey, you're adopted, you're autistic, you're, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. My brother never called me autistic. No, that's fair. No, or told me I was adopted. Yeah, me neither. But, you know, he just told me to go away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's hit or miss. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it either, but I can kind of see what they were getting at. And it's also kind of funny to see Bob so incredulous at Tina when she says a hundred and it's just three. <laughs> it's just, and he's and just makes... completely baffled. Like, wait, what? And I There's love... just three. 
when Jean afterwards drops another one, so there's four now <laughs> on the ground, but she repeats three. She still says three. But it's funny because Tina's terrible at math, which we're going to find out later. That's true. So she's really bad at math. So it's almost like they're laying the... Like this, a bit of foreshadowing yeah, there? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it's I, pretty deep. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but still, you could work with it. You could work with it. For sure. Yeah, so clearly they were going for a little bit of a more crude humor in the first episode and maybe a little bit the first season and they kind of steer away from that and go into something that's a little bit more family friendly yeah they do kind of like the next episode i'm not really going to go into it but the next episode does have a bit of crudeness in it as well with their parents there's There's still moments of it all throughout the series but i find it it it's toned down a lot for sure yeah a lot more family friendly like, there's a joke in the unaired pilot that Linda makes. She makes a comment that she and Bob might have sex in the basement while grinding the meat. Because she says something <laughs> like, oh, well, we're not going to be up, you know, too soon. Or we might be down there for a while. Because it's our anniversary. Oh, God. And, and Bob, Bob. Bob just replies, ew, we don't do that anymore. And then she says, well, why did I shave? Oh, good God. <laughs> Yes, this entire part is cut from the aired pilot, which I, I'm happy with because I really feel like the pilot that they ended up going with has Bob and Linda a little bit more They're more of a happy in couple love. and yeah. in love, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, they're clearly... Bob is obviously going through uh, a tough weekend because things are, you know, they're trying to get their business back up and running and they really want to have a successful weekend. Yeah, they're struggling financially. Yeah, big hard. time. <laughs> That's a running theme in the show. But Bob is just, you know, he's having a tough weekend, so I can understand why he's sort of forgetful about their anniversary and maybe he's not as affectionate to her as per usual, but saying something like, "Oh, we don't do that and getting kind of grossed out by her and her making comments about him having greasy hair and stuff just makes you wonder, well, why are you two even married? Yeah. And we know that they have a great relationship. We They have so many great episodes about Bob and Linda being fantastic together. Like... Mm-hmm. Bob table dancing for Linda. Yeah, like, yeah. Doing I mean, striptease, magic at, miking her. <laughs> and even at the end of the pilot episode, he shows that he made an effort to learn how to kiss less wetly, less <laughs> sloppily. With with less moisture. Less moisture, yes. Less moisture, yes. He got internet tips. I wonder what those kind of tips are. Because, you know, there are a lot of WikiHow pages. Like, at one point, I got into basically, like, a WikiHow spiral. Okay. And (laughs) I ended up finding a page, and it was, like, WikiHow to grind with someone, like, dancing. Oh, boy. So, there must be a page out there that gives you, like, kissing tips. But I'm just trying to imagine Bob practicing. And he would probably be the type to, like, practice on a random piece of fruit or, like, a And he'd a probably sock. give it a voice, too. Oh, he'd yes, probably he would. Yeah. And he would pretend it's Linda. That would be weird. Yeah. But, but kind of cute. Putting, he's putting an effort for his it wife. It shows that he puts the effort in. And it's yeah. important to see that somebody is putting the effort in because that makes you like the relationship more. Yes, you root for them because of that. Yeah. And also, it's, it's a family. You want a family to be a happy family. Mm-hmm. And the unaired pilot really just abruptly ends. Linda asks Bob to come inside because he's talking to himself, sort of staring in the uh, the window of the store and telling himself how much he's a failure. And a woman pulls up with a van and asks Bob if she and her group of adventurous eaters can try their human flesh burgers. And that's just the end of the episode, mm-hmm. which is 
also the end, well, sort of the end of the episode that it did air. Yeah. But we get that extra. It wraps up bit the story the, and then they add a little bit extra. Yeah. And yeah. then they just have that little moment at Wonder Wharf where they're all on the Ferris wheel and the kids are up there on all on one sort of seat. And then you've got Bob and Linda and they're making out and... And then Louise, of course, is like, will you start this thing? I'm getting traumatized over here. Yeah, and Jean says, ooh, mom's getting handsy. Ooh. <laughs> I think it's really sweet. It is. It's kind of it, it makes me root for them. Yeah. It is very nice. Well, I think that about wraps it up for the differences between the unaired pilot and the pilot. Yes, we meet Hugo in the unaired pilot, but because the aired pilot was longer, we actually get a chance to meet Mort and we get a chance to see a little bit more of the townspeople, although we don't see a lot of the characters that will eventually be reoccurring, like Teddy or some of the classmates, Pesto or some of the classmates, right. the owners of that art store. You know, we get to see just kind of like background townspeople. So this is the episode where we find out that Hugo and Linda were briefly engaged, which will play a bit of a role in subsequent episodes because you'll notice that like Hugo has this sort of animosity. Yes, he has that for... an animosity for Bob. He just dislikes him entirely. He's always sort of picking on him and trying to find every little fault in his restaurant cleanliness. Well, he is the health inspector. He is the health inspector. With his partner, Ron. With his partner, Ron. Yes. Ron looks like a broccoli stock. <laughs> He's just so tall and his hair is so big. Ron the broccoli stock. And... Hugo is just so much smaller. He's tiny, yeah. He's so tiny. That's great. But I do kind of love Hugo as terrible as he can be. He's just ridiculous and I think it's funny. So I'm still a fan of his. Hugo hears the rumor that the restaurant is using human flesh. Yes. Which I wonder who reported that. I'm going to guess the teacher. Probably the teacher. Most likely the teacher. But yes, Louise later will convince Linda... To kind of charm her ex-fiance into getting him to take down the big sign or just stop the investigation. She's trying to get him to get off their backs, essentially. Right. And let's go back to that sign because the the sign that says may contain human flesh is such a hilarious sign to me (laughs) because somebody had to design a sign specifically for the situation. So somebody designed a logo with with a a person person... In between buns. Yeah, they had that prepared. They the had health, that ready. The health inspection committee, whatever, they had that. They probably have a lot of those. That's mm-hmm. a little disturbing to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Moving on past Hugo. So we do get to meet Mort in this pilot episode. Who owns the crematorium next yes, door. Yes, he owns the crematorium next door. And... Gene ends up delivering a burger to him because he's too embarrassed to, of course, go and get it himself because the sign is up now. Yeah, he doesn't want to be seen eating at a restaurant that may serve human flesh. Yes, especially while he owns a crematorium, owns a funeral home. He's not going to want to head over there. It's conflict of interest. Yes, of course, you know. He's the supplier. No, <laughs> Well, uh, that's that ends up being the fear later on in the episode that he ends up supplying the corpses to bob's burgers next door Mm -hmm. except he's pretty he's pretty chill about the whole thing he just kind of plays it off like oh i got fired from this other job because i was giving the restaurants human flesh and then wait that 
is a terrible thing to tell people when their restaurant is under investigation yeah, for serving Yeah, please don't make flesh. jokes like that more. You're terrible at this. Yeah, he's good. Also, the weirdest thing. Okay, who has this? Like, what kind of funeral home has that weird thing where it opens up on the sidewalk and just your, like, <laughs> casket can lift up? Just comes right up. Like, it's some sort of, like you know, light and music show. What is that all about? Maybe it's because the buildings are so close together that mm. they just, they can't. There's no alleyway. There's no, but there is an alleyway. We know there is behind yeah. the store. Behind, because that's, you know, that's frequently a, a shot that we see. So I think it's just, you know, creative license. Yeah, it's just creative <laughs> license. Because just it's like, clearly, hey, let's have something ridiculous happen. It's with... clearly not there in the rest of the series. So it was just like a funny thing that they were going to do, but... It always kind of pulls me out for a moment where it's I like, think, wait a minute, why is that there? Who has that? Creative is that license. A thing? Could you do that? Because like Should weird corpse that? elevator, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, and that rolls in and then poor Linda, she thinks it's a gift from Bob for their anniversary. Oh, honey, She's it's convinced not. that he remembered and he's just joking around and saying, I forgot, but he oh, really honey. did. Yeah. And that is not a gift. No, we're going to learn over the series that Bob is just not great at anniversary gifts or at Valentine's Day gifts. Or remembering dates in general. Yeah, he's not the best at that. That's okay. We forgive him. He works hard to support his family. Poor Linda. She opens up the casket and of course it's a dead body. And one of my favorite lines from this pilot is said by Hugo. He gets on his phone immediately and he's like, hello, the media. (laughs) Just die because oh my good god it's like he's got one direct line to every media outlet ever he just has to call one number and it's just the media it's it's everybody hello the media (laughs) it's terrible but i love him anyway oh yeah it's fantastic (laughs) and then we get to see a nice angry mob coming to protest of course and uh, i wrote down a few of the signs that they ended up having because I thought they were fantastic. Like, I would love to see a protest with these kind of signs. Hey, people protesting. Sometimes they come up with the best things. They just they really do. They're, they're creative, creative people. Creative. Yeah, Some like, people may not even care about the issue. They just have a great sign idea. They just need to go out there and promote it. Yep. So one of them was hamburgers, not him burgers, <laughs> which was cute. One of them was don't taste me, bro. I love that because just, you know, don't taste me, bro, but. Oh, God. And then keep the me out of meat. Ew. (laughs) And I think my favorite is don't put our sons between your buns. That is fantastic. (laughs) That's a great one. I mean, the one great thing about having a show based around a burger (laughs) restaurant is all the bun jokes you can make. And they're all the same, but they're funny every time. Yeah. And of course, Tina's infatuation with butts. Gene coming out of the bathroom and... Oh. Do I have any toilet paper on my buns? Oh, yeah. All the bun puns. Yeah. Bun, bun puns. Oh, cute. Yes. And then Bob will have a nice little semi-inspirational speech at the end. Which and... goes downhill pretty quickly. Yeah. A it's, lot of his inspirational starts, speeches kind of go downhill. starts so strong. So strong. And then, of course, gets misinterpreted as him defending cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> So we then find out that Hugo's been delaying the test because he holds a grudge against Bob uh, for stealing his woman. 
Mm-hmm. And then Ron sure, finally Hugo. convinces him to do the test, and they figure out, of course, it's just grade A beef or whatever. There's no human remains, no human flesh in there, not at all, which is great. Everything goes back to normal, but Bob still gets the opportunity to charge $50 for- $50 for, for a burger. Human burgers, mm-hmm. you know? Because the bus full of old ladies with, like, they have an adventurous eating club. They're like, we'd like to try that. It's the same lady who was in the episode earlier when she saw the sign on the window saying, mm-hmm. I'd try that. Yep. There's no line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if she'd only try it because there's no line, but you find out that, you know, no, she's no. got some, she's, she's got some spark got left interest. in her. Yes. It's weird, but it's interest. Do you think you'd ever pay that much for a burger? I don't know. That's 50, 50 bucks is like, that's a lot of money. It's got to be a really good burger. Yeah, but what kind of burger do you think? I, I know that, that like kind thousand dollar burgers exist. What? Like, I've watched YouTube videos okay, on them. Okay, what are they made out of? Gold? Sure. <laughs> you laugh, but one of the ingredients of the one of the most expensive burgers is, in fact, gold leaf. Uh, it also includes saffron, beluga caviar, white truffle, Canadian lobster black truffle brie, Kobe beef, and New Zealand venison. Wow. And uh, yeah, it actually is around, I think it says $1,700. So what? It's an expensive burger. That it's is- not the most expensive burger that's out there, surprisingly. There's one that's apparently seven, 777 pounds and is about $5,000. So yeah, there are expensive burgers out there, but Bob can just get away with his $50 one. Man, he could have charged more. He probably could have charged more, yeah. I mean, yeah. But Bob is... That is insanity. He's not greedy. He would never pay that much for food. Yeah. I mean, it'd probably be really tasty. No way. Well, that pretty much segues us right into creating our burger of the week. Basically, in this little segment, I guess we'll call it, we're going to come up with a parody burger like a themed burger of the week we're not actually gonna cook a burger because i mean this is a podcast and it is not a visual medium we could pretend we cooked a burger oh we could just make a lot of clanging can you noises. hear it sizzling sizzle Ooh, the fat burnt me <laughs> ouch <laughs> no we'll just come up with something really kind of silly and then figure out what ingredients we would put on it if it was a real burger. And if you guys have any better ideas, then let us know. Seriously, you guys could come up with some really great stuff. All right. Wait, like coming up with a burger would be that hard, which is like impossible to do. <laughs> All right. So, Jason, did you write down any ideas? Because I feel like you told me what yours was. I told you what mine was. I, I know. And I feel like it's the clear winner. So I have to go first just so I'm not <laughs> shamed afterwards. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the ones I came up with. Oh, ones. You've got multiples. Yeah. The ones. Putting me to shame. The, the many I came up with Um, <laughs> were want eyes with that, which is just really <laughs> dumb. Um, A burger that comes with and fries. And I'm guessing... No, want eyes with that. So, like, on the burger, either you'd have to, like, cook them in but still keep them fairly visible, like eyeballs, which I think would be weird because no one wants their food looking at them, you know? You know what you could do? What? You could slice a hard-boiled egg in, like, a couple slices so they kind of look like eyeballs. But we're imagining that this is, like, the human burgers that they're pretending to serve on the show. Oh, so, I mean, don't Gross. eat these at home because no, you're going to have to, like... don't cook these. 
cut up some people and that's just illegal. That's also gross. Yeah, so want eyes with that and then they'd have like little eyeballs. But that's creepy. No one wants no one wants their food looking at them. Like I find it weird enough if someone eats a, like a piece of fish and it's a whole fish with the eye oh, on it. I'm yeah. like, nah, oh. maybe don't. I can just imagine how that would smell. <laughs> and the next one I had was flesh in the pan. Oh. Like flash in the pan, you know? Okay. Uh it's a little less creative. There's nothing like particularly specific about it other than, hey, it's flesh so i'm not really sure what we would top that burger with Hmm. uh and the last one i came up with was purple people eater and it would come (laughs) with purple cabbage on it you could also dye the buns that's true you could dye everything bun uh purple yeah i don't know how well human flesh would take to purple dye but we could give it a shot or you know don't or or just don't (laughs) yeah all right so what was your idea for a burger mine was the corpse pride Ooh yes a play on the movie corpse bride oh is that it yeah right (laughs) (laughs) okay so what would you put on your corpse pride burger well keeping in mind you gotta like it's gotta be actual corpse I guess I didn't think that far ahead. I just like the name, the wordplay. Okay. You like so, the wordplay. All right. So, and I do like it because at the end of the episode, Bob is, you know, he's promoting that he's proud that there's human flesh. So yeah. he's like, yeah, come on in. There's okay, human so flesh. Okay, so imagine that he's serving the corpse pride mm-hmm. to all of those adventurous eaters. He's maybe charging he, 50 bucks, Jason. They got to get their money's worth. Maybe What's he's on sticking burger? a little flag with his logo on it. What? People that are proud of their country, like waving their flags. Oh my god, corpse pride. Oh, (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Okay, but seriously. All right, so like regular like bun. And then you've got your patty of human flesh. Mm -hmm. And then what? Are we just talking like lettuce, tomato, ketchup, mustard kind of vibe? Like simple? Or are we talking something fancy? Because you're charging 50 bucks. You got to come up with something good, Jason. Charge him an arm and a leg? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm here all night, folks. Oh, Woo! terrible. <laughs> Didn't you say the other day, I think you were telling me about it, and you said something like, we would put Flintstones gummies on there. Because oh, they right, look because like they're little, little people. people. That's terrible. Don't charge $50 for that. <laughs> okay, well, you wouldn't use Flintstone chewables because those are like vitamins. Exactly. So you could just use little... I guess you could just use Sour Patch Kids, so it'd kind of be a cross between Child Molester and the Corpse Pride, because oh. it would come with candy, but it would be little people candy. That would be gross. Yeah. Yeah. That's not worth 50 bucks. No, nope. but, but neither okay. is a regular burger. Neither is a regular burger. You're right. That brings us to the end of our first episode of Burger of the Week, a Multiverse Radio production. If you like our show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Multiverse Radio. You can also visit our website, multiverseradio.ca. See you next week with our review of episode two, Crawl Space. Keep on sizzling. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>